All right, so um, about f- four months ago, um, I decided to, to do this Bible study, big Bible study project on, on spiritual growth. And, you know, it's like, it, it felt like a really big gap in, in my, you know, just sort of knowledge of the Bible. And it seemed like really odd because I'm sitting here at like 63 uh, thinking about spirit. It seems like I should have thought about it like 40 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but, you know, it's just an, an odd gap. And so, so I started this, this kind of journey over the last four months, sort of digging into that. And that's what I want to share about this morning. And I started in the Old Testament, moved into the New, New Testament. Um, and so I started in the, in the, in the, Old Testament, and it became very clear to me, you know, very, very soon in this process that, that spiritual growth in the Bible, it, it's, it's all about wisdom. That's what spiritual growth is in the Bible to the ancients, to the ancient writers, both Old and New Testament. It's all about wisdom. That's what it is. And so, so, so to sort of make my point, uh, I've got a slide here, let's see. All right, there we go. All right. Good advice, you know. Seems always filled with good advice. We're going to talk about that today, actually, getting advice. Yeah, no, yeah. Actually, this should go over, right? Is that better? All right. Yeah, right up in there. Right. Mike in my face. All right. So uh, I, I'm going to read these. I don't necessarily expect you to 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 um, to look all these up. But there's a several verses here to sort of make my initial case that really spiritual growth is wisdom. Um, starting in Luke 2:52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. That's a really important verse. You know, I mean, you think about when, when the gospel writers thought about Jesus' growth, they, throw, they thought about his growth in wisdom. And Jesus grew in wisdom. And I think G, Jesus probably grew in wisdom his entire life. And that's kind of a great example for us, right? Growth in, in wisdom. Uh, Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So Paul prayed that the Ephesians would, that that God would give them a spirit of wisdom so that they could know God better. Colossians 1.9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the idea of growth here, right? Asking God to fill you with the knowledge. It's, it's all about growth and, and wisdom. Colossians 1.28, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Wisdom enables teaching. 
Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Again, the idea of wisdom enabling growth. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, wisdom enables us to reach out, to reach out to other people. So to the ancients, the ancient biblical writers, spiritual growth meant to grow in wisdom. That, that is what, what growth was. So I started in the, in the book of Proverbs, actually in the Old Testament, and I very quickly landed in the book of Proverbs. There's actually not a lot in the Old Testament outside of the book of Proverbs around spiritual growth. I mean, I couldn't find much. But that is like the main theme of the, the book of Proverbs. Um, I always thought of, of Proverbs as being the book of wisdom, and, and I think it is, but I think it's more than that. It's growth in wisdom. It's growth. It's growth in, in wisdom is, is the main theme of the, the book of Proverbs. Um, I'd like to look at a couple of verses. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verses, verses 2 through 7. So this is, um, this is uh, uh, Solomon's, King Solomon's um, introduction to the, uh, to the book of Proverbs. So starting in verse 2. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Growth, right? And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, for sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and, and discipline. So for, for Solomon, you know, attaining wisdom was everything. Um, and he also talks here in the second verse for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. And we're, we're going to talk about this in a minute. But, but wisdom really, really, there's three aspects of division of, of, of wisdom. There's knowledge, there's prudence, and there's discretion. So he mentions these right, right in, in the, uh, the uh, introduction. Then he goes on. Let's uh, look at chapter 2 just sort of the value of wisdom. Chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son, you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So, you know, this... This passage just talks about the, the incredible value of wisdom. In, in terms of, of the, 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 the things of value that we can search in our life, the things that we go after, wisdom is the most valuable. It's the most important. And he talks about, like here, calling out for insight, crying aloud. What does that mean, crying aloud for wisdom? I mean, it, it's kind of desperate, and it's like, 
you know, I'll embarrass myself. I'll, you know, I'll cry out aloud. I'll, I need help. I need this. I need to find this. It's the most valuable thing. Um, Jesus t- talked about it, right, in, in the, the, the parable of the hidden treasure and pearl. And, and this probably Jesus was referring, you know, referencing back to this, this, this idea. You know, the farmer found a, a treasure of great value in his field, and, and he sold everything he had to, to go out and get, get that, that, that treasure, right? That's the, the, he was talking about the uh, kingdom of God. But, you know, I, I think in, in, in I, I've always thought of wisdom as, as like a, a byproduct of being a disciple, that I would sort of grow old, you know, which I've done, right? And, and, and I'll just sort of become wise. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's not a byproduct. It's something we have to, to really go after, search for, look for, make it a priority. More important than anything else, more important than, than, than a home and, and, and your job and, and, you know, all the things that we put so many hours in, into certain careers, even relationships, right? Wisdom is, and it's what, what spiritual growth is all about. So, uh, all right. Let's talk about what wisdom is. What is the nature of wisdom? I'm ready to check So I mentioned that um, right in the introduction, um, Solomon mentioned prudence, knowledge, and discretion. Mm-hmm. Chapter 8, verse 12, he repeats the same idea. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. I found that there's, in my study of the book of Proverbs, there's three dimensions to the idea of, of wisdom. Knowledge, prudence, and discretion. They're all parts. And these words are used very interchangeably. They're, they're, they're highly overlapping, but they're, they're kind of different. Um, knowledge may be the most fundamental. You know, the other two seem like they, they might be based on knowledge. But knowledge comes from a Hebrew word, doth, and it's learned through personal experience of an experimental nature or from an expert. So knowledge is, is how to do things. It's a little technical, it's, it's, but it's, it's um, you know, learning how to do a job, and, and it's learning how, to, how to, to farm a field. It's learning how to, have, to raise children. It's, it's knowledge and experience, and, and, it's, and you get it from experience, and you can also get it from experts, um, but it's, it's knowledge. So it's, a, it's obviously very important. Prudence, next, next dimension, Hebrew uh, arum. So this is acts, of, uh, acts with knowledge. So it's kind of based on knowledge. Looks where he is going, sees danger, and acts appropriately thoughtful. It's like not reacting. It's being more thoughtful about what you say and do. Right. What does that sound like? Those of you who have any mental health, I mean, there's like, it's like a huge mental health buzzword, right? Mindfulness, right? It's mindfulness. That's what it is. Prudence is the ancient biblical, you know, so 
You think, well, mindfulness is this, this new thing. Mindfulness is not a new thing. Uh, it's, it's a part of wisdom. And it's really interesting. Um, so mindfulness, it's a great idea, but it's kind of, from the biblical perspective, it's a little incomplete, right? Because it's missing, it, it's, it's wisdom, but it's missing knowledge and discretion. There, there's two other sort of important parts of that construct, right? So really, really interesting. But the, the idea is to be, you know, to be thoughtful and careful. Look ahead. Don't react. Don't knee-jerk reactions. You usually don't go to, to good places. Um, that's, that's being prudent. And then the, the last one, Hebrews, um, uh, discretion. The Hebrew word is mezama. Planning, plotting, purposeful to bring great benefit to others. Scheming, shrewd, ambitious. It's interesting. A lot of those words are, are, are used in a negative sense very often, like selfish ambition. But, but all of these things are really important in wisdom. You know, the difference being to bring great benefit to others, right? Uh, Jesus said, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That's what he was talking about. He's talking about discretion. Very, very important part, part of wisdom. So um, in my book, of, in my study of the book of Proverbs, what I found, first of all, I discovered these sort of three dimensions of wisdom. And what I found is virtually every proverb falls into one of these categories, one or more of them. So you can almost, you know, make a, a category, each of these categories, and put each proverb into, under each category. And you're right, I was tempted to do it, but I didn't do it. <laughs> this is kind of what I do. But, um, um, but. Right. Nature of wisdom. Um, nature, uh, wisdom is discerning. Um, uh, Proverbs 1, 20 to 22. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. Twelve fifteen. The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. So wisdom sees and hears and listens. Wisdom is around us everywhere. It, it, calls, it calls out in the streets. Wisdom is everywhere. So, uh, Solomon, in Proverbs, he talks about the ants. You can look at the ants. You, you can sit and stare at bugs in the ground mm-hmm. and, and gain wisdom. They, they store up, you know, during, during the summer for, for, for times of hardship later. There's great wisdom in ants. You can find wisdom everywhere. You find wisdom everywhere. Even, you know, in politics, you can find wisdom. You, you can find amongst your colleagues. You can find even amongst people that aren't particularly godly or, or have great values. You can find wisdom. There, there is wisdom everywhere. Wisdom is kind. Blessed, uh, 14, 20, and 21. Blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Wisdom is empathetic. It cares. It, it sees the needy people around them. It wants to do something to help them. Wisdom is kind. Wisdom is righteous. Eleven nineteen. The truly righteous man attains life. Wisdom um, avoids sins. 
wise people live righteous lives. Um, it's interesting, though, um, like, um, we can, it's like, it's like wisdom is, or, or foolishness, wisdom is bigger. Like, like we can do things that, anything that we do that is sinful is going to be unwise and foolish, right? That, that is a given. However, we can do a lot of foolish things which aren't sinful. It's like, it's like wisdom is bigger. And you think about it. And that's important to understand, right? Like I can make financial decisions. I can make decisions around relationships. I can have inappropriate boundaries, whatever. Not necessarily sinful, but I'm going to cause myself a lot of trouble. It, it's foolish. And I, I'm going to end up causing myself a lot of problems. Like, you know, when I emptied out my 401k when I was 22 years old, that was not a good idea, right? You know what I'm saying? And that was a bad financial decision. Um, yeah, so anyway, just take, take note, you've gone. Don't, don't do that. But, but yeah, so, but anyway, I think that's, a, that's an important thing. Um, wisdom is, is humble. 11.2, with humility comes wisdom. 5, 31 through 33, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home with the wise. Humility comes before honor. It's humble. The, the minute that, that you begin to think that you're wise, that's foolishness. I mean, the, the wise man knows that he's not wise because it keeps him humble, right? I can have very little... It's, so wisdom has very little to do with, with intelligence. It, wisdom is, has a lot more to do with, with humility. Because even if I'm not the most you know, intelligent guy in the world, if I'm aware of that, I can live very, very wisely. Right. So wisdom is, is all about, about humility. Wisdom and age. Uh, verses 1, 8, 9, listen, my son, to your, fa- to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 20, 29, the glory of a young man is their strength, gray hair, the splendor of the old. I've always struggled with the second one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I never got my splendor. You know what I mean? It's like, it all just like fell out. I don't, it's like, you know, it's like, I just felt like, like ripped off, you know? I, I get old and, and I, I didn't get my splendor, man. Yeah, it's kind of shiny, yeah. yeah. So maybe, so, you know, I could, I thought about gray, gray beard maybe, but my wife doesn't really like beards, so kind of stuck, uh, sort of stuck, but anyway. So it's an interesting question. Does wisdom come with age? Yes and no, right? Yes and no. Um, knowledge probably does. I mean, that aspect of wisdom, I would say, probably does increase with age fairly strongly. The other parts, prudence, discretion, maybe less so, but probably there's a correlation, right? I mean, generally, older people will probably tend to have more even discretion, but it's not, it's not a given. Um, but, you know, an old man can't say 
can't think he's wise, like, like an older man can't think he's wise because he's an older man, right? Because that's, that's a lack of humility. And, and the same, same with, with young men. I mean, young man, to say, I'm wise beyond my years. I'm, uh, I'm wise because I became a disciple, because I, I am a disciple, because I'm a Christian, or because I study the Bible. You know, things like that. You start saying things like that to yourself, and, and you're going into foolishness, right? Because, right? So, I wanted to talk a little bit about multi-generational churches here, sort of in this context. Okay. So, I mean, I've been, as a younger man, part of churches led by, led by, by older people. And... What do you think happens in a situation like that? What, what can happen? As a younger man, you, you know, you like, I want to do things differently. And, and, and things aren't, you know, they're, they're not, things are, you know, if you, if you do things the way you've always done, you know, older leaders in the church, you know, it doesn't apply to us today. And you're stuck in your ways. And, and we need to liven things up and, and sing new songs, and I, you, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And then the other can be true as well, right? If, if a congregation or a, a community is led by younger people, the other thing can happen too, right? The older people in the congregation can feel written off. They can feel put out to pasture. They can feel... Um, and so, you know, both things have to be have to be taken into consideration. And it's not just, and it's all age groups, right? Like, like children should have um, a, a say in, in, in the leadership of the church. You know, children have insights. Teenagers do. Young married, singles, young, young married, the older people. I mean, every, every group needs to have a voice, in, the, in the, the church and feel, feel heard. Um, and what, what kind of makes this, what can make this very, very challenging is that in some ways every generational group's life experience is the same. Things, there's some things that don't change and then there's a lot of things that do change. It's not one or the other. Right? So, like, I can look at, you know, a, a teenager, and, and, I, and I say, it wasn't that long ago that I was a teenager. I mean, come on. I mean, I went through stuff as a teen. Things don't change. The fundamental things that teenagers go through today are the same things that I went through as a teenager. There's some truth to that, right? On the other hand... You know, there's a lot of things that teenagers go through today that I don't have a clue, right? right? I don't have a clue. So it's, it's both. Yeah. And that's what makes it really complicated, right? You know, I can look at young marrieds and, and say, well, you know, I had three kids. I know what it means to, to raise three kids. Yeah, and, and a lot of things don't change, and that's true. But on the other hand, things are different. You know, I used, you know we used to talk about TV. Oh, man. Kids watch six hours of TV a day. That was like a big thing, and how it's destroying the minds of, 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 of young people. Now it's, it's like social media, right? It's kind of the same in some ways, but it's like really different too. 
Um, so it's so it's it's complicated, and I guess what I'm just saying is it's it's important for all of us as, as a multi generational church to to listen, you know, be curious, don't judge, be you know, don't don't judge, and and, and listen, 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 be curious, listen. All right, a bit of a sidetrack. All right, enemies of growth and wisdom. Um, chapter 1, the end of chapter 1 in, verse Pro, in, uh, in Proverbs talks about the enemies of growth of wisdom. It's like, it's like the topic of that whole section. Um, I pulled one verse out here. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Simple ones love your simple ways. It's complacency. That's the attitude of, I don't, I don't really need wisdom. Wisdom isn't, isn't all that important. Wisdom is, is not valuable, really. Um, we talked about that already. And I, I think it's a real problem, especially in our country. Um, it, with complacency, you know, is... Or complacency is, is, is closely associated with abundance, with idleness, with carelessness. So that's kind of the big challenge I have for you guys today, honestly, is, you know, have you been complacent about, about wisdom? Are you giving it its, its just value? It should be really, gaining wisdom should be top on, on, on all of our, our lists. Mockers. Derision, scorning, laughing at another's calamities, you know, mocking wisdom, <clears throat> mocking other people, mocking integrity, mocking people with values. It's obviously an enemy of, of wisdom. And then hating knowledge is, is essentially ignoring advice. That's what hating knowledge is, it's just ignoring advice. Not, not getting <coughs> advice when... when you need it. You're resisting advice. Yeah. All right. We're gonna we're gonna now move into the so my journey in spiritual growth moved into the New Testament after studying Proverbs. Um. So I went through the went through the New Testament looking for for verses around growth, and they they really fell into five categories and. And, and I found in the, in the New Testament, there's a lot more about kind of the process of growth, uh, whereas the Old Testament was, was more the, ob- the objective of growth, which is wisdom. The, the New Testament is a lot more about the process of growth, which, which makes sense. Um, the growth process that I discovered in the New Testament involves, involves five things. The, the first is it starts with trials. Um, James 1, 2 through 5, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And when you ask God for wisdom, what is God going to do? He's going to send you trials, right? He's going to send you trials. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's the first step. You know, wisdom, growth comes through trials. Community is essential. Fellowship, communion. Lots and lots of verses in the New Testament 
around growth within the community. That, that is a, a big theme in, in the, the New Testament. And it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting because I think, you know, in a community like ours, it's like a big, somewhat functioning, somewhat dysfunctional family. It's kind of what, what a church is, right? More, yeah. Amen. Yes, so, yes, so that's true. And then on, on the other hand, it, it's like tons of support and, and, and close relationships. And so it's both, it's like a, it's like a community is like a perfect petri, petri dish for growth. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you probably in some ways can have more trials in the church than outside of the church just because of the church and the pain in the neck that a lot of people can be in the church sometimes, right? But on the other hand, you know, you've got all kinds of supports. It's like a perfect environment for, for, for spiritual growth. Yep. Number three, learn learning, increasing your, your knowledge. So this is a, a part of wisdom, right? So that's the third part of it. Um, I just pulled out a few verses here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus speaking. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. <laughs> You just imagine all the disciples like staring at a fig tree. <laughs> so, okay, all right. Well, listen. But less learning. Uh, what, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Paul said this idea of learning. Learning from a teacher. So the importance of learning. Number four insight. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. I, I love this verse. It says, Abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. And James 1, 22 through 25, like a man who looks at himself in a mirror. So he, you know, he's talking about you look at yourself in the mirror so you can see what isn't working, right? And you fix it before you start your day, right? And that's kind of, so it's this idea of, of, of feedback loop, you know, yeah. right? Discerning, seeing, insight into yourself. You see something isn't right. You make corrections, you, you make changes. And then you go back to the mirror. And it's like this, and it's all based on, you know, trials, community, knowledge, that, that sort of foundation for it all. And then it's like this insight growth, mm-hmm. which leads to growth and wisdom. And then finally, growth. Um, God creates growth. That's the big point here. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. God makes things grow. Consider how, how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. So God creates the growth. Um, and then, you know, I think within this, the spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible study, fasting, meditation, all of those things are really important. You know, they, they enable growth. Um, but it's God that, that creates the, uh, the actual growth. So I wanted to use a personal example um, of how this has worked in, in my, my life. So um, throughout my I mean, ever since I can remember, I've struggled with, with depression. Ever since I can remember. As an as a adolescent, it was, it was a huge problem. 
All through my adult life, I, I kind of went through, you know, about every 10 days, I would have a two-day period where I would get, I would feel, feel depressed. Um, it was just this cycle I went through. I kind of learned to, you know, more or less deal with it um, until I hit a trial about four or five years ago. Um, I went through some experiences where they were just incredibly painful and they, they triggered some, some, some old pain in, in, my, in my heart that it, it was this, and it just, it, it erupted like a volcano. It, I like pushed it, pushed it down, tried to run away from it, try and, and, and grow out of it, try and, and put it behind me, and it just, it just kind of blew up on me. And, and, and so then... So there was trials. Um, community was a part of it because community was actually a part of the reason why the, I went through the trial. But then also I had a lot of supports, you know, I had a lot of supports in, in my, my community to help it through. So this community was definitely a big part of this learning. Um, I, I didn't, I really had no idea what to do. I, I mean, I was... Um, I mean, the, the, this depression came roaring back, um, and, there, and there was no putting it behind me, no, like, um, suppressing it, putting it down, dealing with, dealing with it the way I'd always dealt with it in the past. There was just no way, and I, I didn't know what to do. And so I reached out, I talked to people, and I, I had to grow in knowledge. I, I got counseling, I started a big Bible study, um, I read the entire Bible during this period, and you know, looking for, for ways to help. I needed knowledge, I needed help, I didn't know what to do, where, where to turn. And then as a result of that, I started to, to grow in insight. Right? So in middle school and high school, I was extremely bullied. Right? I went through, so, so there was all of this pain associated with that, and, and it... And I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. And, and that, that, you know, that, that childhood, it was affecting my adulthood. And I, I never understood it. it. It affected my parenting. It affected my, you know, my, my, my marriage through, through, through the years. You know, uh, and I, I didn't understand it until yeah. so the, the, the insight. And then also dur- during that time, I discovered med- meditation. And so I started to meditate and, and what, what that meant. I, I never understood what, what that was. I started exercising the, the spiritual disciplines like I had never done before. That was a, a big part of my, my, my growth. And then, I don't know, it took a while, but, you know, one day, some months later, I woke up and I, last time I felt depressed was like months ago. Right? It just, it just, it just and, and it was like, it was growth, and, and, and how that actually happened, I can't, I mean, I have an idea, you know, I kind of went through the steps, but, but I didn't feel like I created the growth. That was something that God gave me, it was, it was his, his gift, so, so anyway, that's, all right, let's talk about a conclusion. So, um, conclusion. Uh, biblical spiritual growth is, is, I believe, growing in wisdom. That's what uh, spiritual growth is, growing in wisdom. Are wisdom and salvation the same thing? Second point there. Is foolish behavior the same thing as sin? We talked about that already. 
sin is foolish behavior always, but there's a lot of foolish behavior which, which isn't really sinful. Um, we can, you know, make a lot of foolish decisions in our life and still go, go, go to heaven. It's not really, it's not necessarily related, you know, going to heaven and foolish behavior. So I think that, that's an important d- uh, distinction. The third point, wisdom is what enables us to be a light to the world, to share our faith, be a blessing to those around us, to make a difference, to be a good spouse, parent, and friend. So wisdom, wisdom helps us to, to, be, to kind of function well in our world. Um, and this is why God works so hard to help us to be as wise as we can be, so we can be a light to those around us, his tool in the world. So wisdom helps us to be effective in, in all aspects of our, inter, um, in our, in our relationships, right? In our interrelational, in our, our relationships with, with the, the people around us. Wisdom helps us to, to be effective in that. And that's why, you know, when, when we become disciples and, and commit ourselves to God, God enrolls us in the, you know, in the universal, I call it the universal university of wisdom. You know, we all get enrolled in it, um, whether we like it or not. And, and a part of that, and it has the, the steps, right? It's the trials, community, knowledge, insight, and growth. That, that's what it is. That's the, that's the schooling. That's God's university of wisdom. And we're enrolled in that, um, but wisdom at the end of the day will not get us to heaven. That is a gift of God through, through Jesus. We don't gain wisdom to be saved. Wisdom doesn't save us. That is a gift of God. Wisdom enables God to use us as his effective tools. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.